And now, ladies and gentlemen, check it out. You've got to start somewhere. The podcast that takes you behind the scenes of show business to prove there's no such thing as an overnight success. With your host, Rachel Corbett. Welcome to the show. My guest today, you've heard him on radio at Triple M and 2UE. You can see him night after night after night on Sky News on his very own show, Paul Murray Live. It is my dear, dear friend, my brother from another mother, Paul Murray. Hello, beautiful. Hello. Congrats on the show. Thanks. Thanks. It's a a delight to have you a part of it. And really, it just feels like we're doing Paul and Rach, our old podcast Correct. By the way, have any guests brought their own poppers? No, they have. Haven't. Like you said, the mics were a little poppy. I just I produce poppers for you. But this is the Did mark. Did Merrick do that? No. <laughs> no. Did Sam Mac do that? No. <laughs> but this is a mark of a true professional. Well, God love you that I just uh, have audio equipment all over the exactly. place. Exactly. I appreciate it greatly. Um, now, are you a little uh, a little nervous? Yes. <laughs> because I, I don't know. It's like it's a bit weird. It's like okay, we know everything about each other. Yeah, right? that's true. So the idea of trying to find out about each other. It's weird. Yeah, it's yeah. like like I just sort of wanted to take the chip out of the back of my head and put it into the file <laughs> and, and it'll just it. explain to everyone everything. <laughs> I feel like we have covered a lot of ground in our years on air together and through our podcast. We do know a lot about each other, but I reckon there's going to be one or two gems that I'm never going to have known before that I'm going to find out today. Okay, well, probe away. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pressure. A lot <laughs> of pressure. uncomfortable. Uh, anyway, I, no, it's nice to play. Just pretend that this is... Is Paul and Rach, and okay. I just happen to be bringing up constantly you. Okay, well, <laughs> and that's it. Can, 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 well, okay, can I just get back to, into a couple of old habits? Please. What are you wearing? There you go. There it is. <laughs> Welcome to the beginning of every phone conversation we ever have. Hi, Paul. What are you wearing? What are you wearing? Uh, I'm currently being held up in a bank robbery, but... Uh, Talk me through it slowly. <laughs> Ooh, how afraid are you? <laughs> that is creepy and wrong. Now, Paulie, take me back all the way to the very, very beginning when you were a tiny little kid kid i'm imagining with a beard because because i want to think of you as a six-year-old with a beard what did you want to be when you when you were little what did you want to be when you grew up my earliest memory was i wanted to read like the channel 10 news really yeah like i wanted to i don't know why but it was like it was tim webster and katrina lee way back then and my friend alison fryer who uh who now works at uh, at the nrl and she'll be annoyed that i've just outed her yeah um when she came over because our dads were really close we would get the ironing board out and sit there at the ironing board and pretend to be newsreaders now we probably worked harder than most newsreaders because <laughs> <laughs> we had to come up with the scripts but it was that, that that was sort of it for a while and then and then i was like i was you know a super nerdy kid and and i don't know um how far down this path you want to go but I was uh, like when when my mum and dad split up in in well, when I was in year three or whatever. Um, for some reason, I just started connecting to talkback radio. I really dug talkback radio, and then sort of you know, it's so weird at that age. That's so young. I know it was like everyone was into David Ryman, the Hot Thirty, and all of this business, and yeah. I'm literally listening to Ron Casey and Stan Zamanik and Arch Tambakis and. All very weird. Like, wow. very, very weird. Did you get it at the time or was it just there was something about the show or the, their voice or them that I attracted think, you? I think the confidence. Yeah, I think right. it was this, like, because I, as you know, like, I, I, I don't have massive tickets on myself. Mm. So I think I liked the confidence. So so a very early dream set in for me, and I don't think I've ever talked about this, but there's um, uh, outside of a professional uh, therapist's room, <laughs> is that... Um, I thought those guys were so confident and so complete and so ready. Like life was good for them. So when sort of life was a bit not great, just trying to work out how the way the world worked and some other stuff on top of it, um, I went, I want to do that one day. So a massive drive for me in eventually getting into radio and having to tick off talkback radio was this silly idea that then I'll be happy. Mm. And then, of course, you realise that it's all a performance and – there's sort of that's been the the great internal tuning of of my career is going, oh, it's a performance. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that was so that those are my early things. Was was that, yeah, there's the, reading the TV news and then radio became a thing where 
oh, imagine being at the big end of town and hanging out with the big dicks and, you know, and having a boat and all of that stuff that, you know, when your parents split up and there's no cash around and you're writing letters to the school saying, oh, sorry, I can't afford... Please excuse Paul from the school excursion because we can't afford it. Mm. That there was this... There was this lottery ticket that was there, and I had no idea how to get there, but Isn't for some reason found a way. So you learned something. See, I did learn something. What about the fact that Tim works with you? Yeah, Tim Webster. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. It's so, have weird. you had that, that conversation with him? Yeah, and he seemed less taken by it than the, no. <laughs> like I thought I was in imper- like he's a lovely man, but obviously he's for thirty years had people say, "Oh, I love you on TV." So I think he just sort of put it in the. I love you on TV category, but I was really saying, hey, dude, you you know, you, for some reason I connected with you. I don't know what it was. You, you know those moments. You want them to sort of, I mean, because it is such a huge thing for you, mm. you know, and you get it. You've been on the other side too where people sort of say, oh, my gosh, I watch you every night. You feel like somebody I know, you know, when you're in the media, that's what you get. And, and it is hard when you've never seen that person before. It's different for you because you guys work together, but it's different when that hasn't been the experience for you to be as emotional about the moment as the person is. But at the same time, you know, when you work in media and and obviously there are a lot of people that have been doing this for many, many, many years. And I notice that a lot now. I have to sort of stop myself from time to time when you sit across from somebody or have a conversation with someone or you're somebody's contemporary and you have this moment where you go... I used to watch you on TV. <laughs> Correct. It's very weird, but now all of a sudden your friends, colleagues, workmates, they respect you and look to you yeah. as a peer and you think, oh, my goodness. It's so weird. I remember Ugly Phil, him and I have had many conversations about working together and, and have done little bits and pieces here and there. And I, I unfortunately, the thing I always think about when I think about him is, me being 16 in the shower because that's where I used to listen to the Hot 30 at night when I had my shower in the shower radio. And ironically, he would have been thinking about you <laughs> yeah. being 16 in the shower. Yeah. Nothing creepy about that. What about your folks? Did they want you to do anything in particular or? Yeah, dad was, oh, dad's a bit, Kenny Dog's old school. So it was just this logical thing of, oh, well, you get a trade and your life's working for somebody else or in his case, you know, he's a bus driver and, you know, now uh, sort of does um, lawn maintenance stuff and and mum was always a bit more, not necessarily, not that dad wasn't supportive, but mum was a lot more open to, oh, if this is what you want to do. But the amazing thing for me was that sort of the career path was kind of set early, like ridiculously early. So for most people, they sort of go, oh, I'd love to get on the radio one day, but they can't really work it out until their mid-20s. I was presented with an opportunity that sort of I feel a bit like the guy who came second in Australian Idol, like I cheated somehow (laughs) to get into the business. Some may call it fate. Let us skip forward to that moment. For people who see you nightly on the telly and think, oh, my gosh, I mean, it must have been a long journey through journalism school, you know, a cadetship (laughs) out sort of serving his time out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Where did it start for you? First job ever. National Radio Triple J. This is bizarre. When I was 14. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I didn't work at Woolies as my first job. I didn't work in a news agency in my first job. A news agency was my second job. My first job was a radio show on Triple J, and I was terrible. I was terrible. How did that come about for people who don't know the story? A beautiful man who sadly has passed away uh, called Jerry Caulfield. His um, kids went to the Ride Little Athletic Centre. And I was, because mum was the president of the club, I was doing sort of the ground announcing. I was a bit of a smart ass, and my. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Yeah, my balls had dropped. So um, I sort of had the beginnings of this voice, you know, minus the smoking. I wasn't quite into that at that point yeah, in time. Yeah, yeah. Is that, um, and, and he said, oh, hey, do you want to. Like he hung out a bit and he realised I was a bit of a smarty pants. He was the coolest guy I'd ever seen. He in was, what way? Why? Probably the first person I ever knew who wore black jeans and a black T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, you've come across quite a few of them since yeah, moving to, into radio but, you know, and media. Like, this is 1994 or whatever yeah, right. it is. So sort of, you know, it's 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 blue jeans and tucked in polos. It was kind of my world. Mm. So the idea of, yeah, someone was a bit cool and someone said, man, and like it was my first person I'd met yeah. who was of that world. And he, um, yeah, and I mean, it's a... 
huge pair of balls to say, hey, 14-year-old, come have a play. So I just wa- I was wanted to go and have a look at Triple J. Didn't listen to Triple J. I was listening to Arch Tambacus on TUE. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing too, right? I'm a 14-year-old, yeah. and you've got to think about this horrible – I'll tell you that story in a second. Okay. The, uh, horrible. <laughs> Don't forget it. <laughs> I won't. Um, so he, he says, hey, come into Triple J and um, do a little test tape. And the test tape included me reading a script, mm-hmm. fine, and then telling a story. And I don't even remember what the story was and I don't think it was particularly good. But then they were putting together a weekend request show with – uh, uh, Katrina Roundtree. Oh, uh, yeah. So she she was doing some Saturday Night Request show, but she didn't know how to panel and all of that stuff. And clearly neither did I. Yeah. So I sort of got asked by Jerry to be the panel operator who got to talk a little bit, but that sort of meant co-host in Triple J language. It meant co-host. So firstly, I, I was sort of not quite across technology, but that was okay. And of course, the subject matter, all of the music was unfamiliar to me. And because I'd listened to... Talkback Radio, I kind of had that ridiculous view of sort of, oh, people in Newtown stink. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Which, of course, is the whole point. Of, <laughs> which is their entire listenership. Yeah, that whole point yeah. of the channel. Yeah. And, and I was just so I was stuck, you know, I was this desperately uncool kid having kind of coming of age moments around, and, you know, 94 Triple J was number one mm. at one, like it was sort of at the top of its cool at one point and I was just there with literally, you know, parted hair um, and blue jeans. And I remember I sort of had to go, you know, I had to go and get a makeover. Jerry what? sort of said, oh, mate, you've got to update your look a bit. Really? He was trying to be a bit fatherly, go and get an update. Where so, do you go for a Triple J makeover? Do they have a department for that? <laughs> <laughs> pay- the government is paying yeah, somebody it, to, to it, do the makeover <laughs> for all the 14-year-old kids that come in from the Little Athletics Carnival. It's a good idea for an editorial. <laughs> Did you know the ABC, <laughs> the uh, Channel Two? They're doing this thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, and oh, I don't know. It was sort of like you know, go get new jeans and whatever. But I didn't know where to go, so I went to New Jeans West or whatever it was. Got it's all best. That. So I turn up and I've just got the part. Of, it's just terrible. Anyway, all that all ended unsurprisingly. Um, How long were you there for? It was about nine months, and it all fell to shit when we had a bonking songs weekend, and I was a virgin, so. Like, there's Katrina going, oh, you know, I love this song. And she was playing up to the PDs and flirty and all of that stuff. Yeah. And I I was 40-year-old virgin. So, like, I don't think I said anything like boobs and sandbags, but I probably said something like it. And then the next week it was done and then I went into a really big funk because, you know, my dad, again, this was sort of, you know, traditional suburban Australia thinks do job, get reference, reference helps you get next job. Oh, welcome to radio and media. Don't work like yeah. that. But you know, yeah. like when you when you got 100%, no idea, this is absolutely what you think. Which means it's devastating when a job ends and that's not the way. There's not another one to go to. Well, and then, so like for six months, I had to ask them for a reference. Mm. Like, and they wouldn't give me one. Wouldn't because obviously I was shit. Like, yeah, right. Like I was terrible. It's also not a very referency game. Correct. Correct. Anyway, they eventually gave me one, and that's fine. And then, and then, sort of the funk was, oh no, my dream's done. Like, oh, well, like I struck lotto, I had a chance and won and done. So by the idea that you're 11, your childhood dream had been done. It's a little screwy for your head. I I think I similarly really struggled at the beginning because I had sort of worked normal jobs and I had a very similar approach to, you know, you work hard, you get good at something, you move up. You get work hard at that, you get good at that, you move up. And then you sort of come into this world where you can literally go from CEO to toilet cleaner overnight. Correct. You are the top of your game. You know, I've had some bosses in my career who I, I was doing a breakfast show on a major network stopped doing the breakfast show on that major network and the next day the boss who was, you know, by all accounts anybody who's met him, an unbelievable (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) He literally did not even say hello to me the day that I wasn't the breakfast talent anymore. I passed him in the corridor. He ignored me. Despite when I was on air for that whole time, kissing me hello every time he saw me. Seriously. So when you're a kid and you start in this environment and you think... I'm set adrift. Well, but this is exactly right. I mean, you, I, you know, I was a kid in an adult workplace. Mm. So, look, I'm forever thankful for the opportunity because, you know, it's a great story and it, it meant I got to see something. But I was completely ill-equipped for 
the relationships, the backstiping, uh, you know, the sort of working in a partnership that, look, again, you know, whatever, 20-something years ago, like, she didn't care whether I was there or not. Yeah. So there was nothing supportive about it. So you just feel totally alone. And then on top of that, sort of all that awkward teenage like, who am I, what am I? Because I've never been a cool kid. Mm. Like, I've, I've just never been a cool kid. I've grown in confidence, but... You know, even in the Nova days, I never felt like I was, you know, part of it. I always felt like a tangent to it. Mm. So it was, was your of... latest step back into the business? And I want to go back to there was a story in there that you said it was horrible. That and was you the didn't... parted hair thing. Oh, the parted hair, right. Yeah. Bonking um, songs. <laughs> Bonking songs. Glad it made an impact. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the... Sorry, I don't have the <laughs> CEO story. <laughs> now we're on. Now we're into it. Now you're relaxed. Um, <laughs> so, you know, how much time was there bef- between that Triple J thing and when was the next media spot? Was that Nova? No, uh, there was a little bit before that. So it was 1999. You were, so I'd out of school for a couple of years, University of Western Sydney, and not doing it, just doing an arts thing, which was amazing. Like In it, what way? Oh, because I mucked around with community radio and all the rest of it and I was just obsessed with um, mucking about and the ADD is obvious, I got like 42 in my HSC. Mm. Which, Which means- amazes me I because just- you are hands down one of the smartest blokes I know. You are a – What are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> you are a perfect example for any kids who are like, I don't believe that my mark in the HSC doesn't mean that I won't be a success. I don't believe it when you tell me that. It's like, well, have a look at P. Murray. Yeah, like, oh, I God love you. It's, no, I, I, I'm definitely not book smart. Come on now. No, 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 no. I, I, I will give it to you that, that I, I can win an argument. I can do very well in an argument. I can do very well understanding things. But it's because of the way I learn and absorb mm. is – Orally, like I, I have so I because of this thirty years of listening to talkback radio means you have all this memory of what happened here and then, and I've listened to that many quizzes. <laughs> <laughs> and here's your great strength because coming to it as an adult, I never read papers, and you were the kid that read every paper every but the paper. Financial Review in Year Six. I know, and I'm know. like, hang on a second, there are adults that don't read the Financial Review. Yeah. Like, I did my work experience in Year Ten um, as a state MP. <laughs> what? Yeah. So, like, so this was because my two great loves were uh, the radio thing because oh, yeah, that would make me happy one day, and then the politics thing because talkback radio was all about politics, you know. Mm. So, so uh, um, John Watkins, who was the member for Ride at the time, my mum knew him through Community Aid or whatever she was doing at the time, and uh, and I ended up doing a week of work experience with the state MP, sitting in the chamber having a chat to him and going, oh. One day. Did so, you love it? Absolutely. Yeah. Like when I was in year whatever, um, and I hate people who tell too many high school stories, and I think I'm up to about eight anyway. <laughs> no, I love it. Is, uh, I love it. Like I did, was it, you know, schools in parliament or something, and you get to sit in the chamber and argue, and I was the police minister and very excited. See, this is one of the great things about where you have ended up is mm. that, you know, a lot of there's a lot of people that work in media who are like, oh, God, I've got to go to Canberra again, do another bloody story I on do shit. Love it. You turn up there and it is just, I mean, you are an Instagram happy kid because this is like your <laughs> yeah. mecca. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. this is where you come to pray. Well, okay. Well, again, it's like just, again, these little pieces that fall together, but it's like, you know, I was a kid who, who you know, I was like at the front of the bus when school went to Canberra and like I bought, a, I remember my most precious thing for years as a kid and I was clearly quite f***ed up, but <laughs> that was a book from the Parliament House gift shop that was Flags of Australia and it was about explained all the national flags and how to fly them and where to do this and where to do that and it was my little bit of federal parliament. I had with me. That is so cool. So, and I was obsessed with it, obsessed. And it's like, and and I'm not happy until I have a flagpole at home. Oh, you will. Sean won't give it to me. She thinks it's too bogan. I mean, it is a touch bogan, but you'll get there. <laughs> yeah. You'll get there. Well, you after will. we're divorced and I'm up on the Gold Coast. <laughs> oh, you'll have a flagpole. I have mostly panties <laughs> <I'll> up it. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, Crystal's home. It's like, you know, when the Queen's in. The stripper ensign. Yeah, that's it. Just work out who's in. Oh, okay, candy's over. All right. But but in answer to the thing is, so so uh, uh, I went to two GB yep. in ninety nine, where I was a cadet, 
uh, earning seventeen grand. Jason Morrison was the guy who got me in there. Cause How? How does that begin? We had a connection through a community radio station in Hornsby. He was working at Two GB, and Jason is like so amazing that he can spot people who are hungry for the business, mm. right? And I was hungry for the business that I did like weeks of work experience with him and met him at his house at four in the morning to get in the car and do all day. And So he was doing a show at the community radio station? Or? No, oh, he used to before he went to 2GB. Right. So he just was, you know, doing a bit of engineering. He always loves sort of being around it. He's a massive radio file. So the Triple J thing could have not even happened. It wasn't a, a, anything that sort of led you to something else. No, it was Triple just- J is a completely separate sort of like failed start. Like, you know, sort of, you know, um, rock bands – and then it's like, oh, like two bands before that, they were yeah, right. a you know, string quartet. So in that middle bit, in between Triple J and 2GB, that's like a lot of, that's a few years there. Yeah, it was sort of, yeah, it was yeah, four or five years. Was that when you ran the porno business out of your suitcase? Oh, <laughs> never stopped. Got some here. Like, I, I'm, I'm a, I still love the magazine. <laughs> I know you do, but one of my favourite stories and great <laughs> visual memories, even though I wasn't there, but in my mind, I totally was, which is kind of a bit creepy because I'm just watching you in a schoolyard. And yard. it was a boys' school. And it was a boys' school. But so that that's said, <laughs> you know, if you dress a certain way. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I can look like a man from time to time. Um, very muscular physique. Thanks, Dad. Uh, but, <laughs> but the great thing that I love is that you used to work at a news agency. Yeah, stole all the porno. Stole the pornos and then would have the kids put in a bit of a, oh, could you get me a big jugs monthly next week? Or, or you would have to put special orders in for the special Can interest. Can you beat this name? Okay, okay. A lot of people want a fiesta. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'd knock them off in the morning and then, yeah. Take I'd, a briefcase to Take school. a briefcase of School, then all right, fellas, clunk clunk, open for business. How much would you sell a porno for? Oh, like a dollar, like like enough. Because all I needed to get through the day was um, a packet of twisties for uh, recess. Yep, a packet of twisties for lunch (laughs) with a sausage roll and a chocolate move. Yep, and some things never change. (laughs) (laughs) If I hit that budget, fine. The rest of it was free. (laughs) So. In between, so you've gone across to 2GB. So that, that time before you got to 2GB, did you think to yourself, that's it, it's yeah. done? Oh, so lost, like so lost mm. because thankfully, you know, thankfully I'd, I'd met the girl who eventually became my wife and, and Shan was very like, hey, well, whatever you want to do, it's cool and her mum was really supportive and all of that. So she was the one who pushed me back into – so Shan pushed me back into community radio saying, oh, maybe you should do that because I was like doing – so. I was up the back of a – a hall doing a voiceover thing for my mate's sister's dance school or whatever. Mm. Like, these are the things you do. Yeah, yeah. And this guy comes up and says, hi, I'm from the local community radio station. Do you want to come and say g'day? And I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't want to do it because I'm sort of done with radio. And then Shani was, you've got to just give it a go, give it a go. That's where we got again. And then after 2GB, it was 2SM. So in 2000, the Olympics, all of that. Uh, and then in 2001, 2001's when I started at Nova in their newsroom. And those processes were one leading into the next? Absolutely. Right. I, I am Touchwood. I, I have an unbroken run from 1999 to now. Wow. And where in there did you win a Brian White Memorial Award despite having never studied journalism? <laughs> I know. Take that. Take that. Uh, Nova. First year of Nova was uh, first year of Nova was awesome uh, because the way they did news was good. Like it was, they liked like it was brief. There was music underneath it, but it wasn't Mm. all showbiz. Mm. So like I was reporting from the field, and I'd done that at GB and and SM, and I liked being a one man band. So you did lots of different topics. Nova was kind of cool as well, and now obviously those first couple of years. so it was – I did the, uh, the Ansett disaster, bushfires and something else that was the entry mm. and then bang, first person in NFM to win it and I was a bit like, that's cool. You know, it's a, however, of course, it's weird when you write in bios oh, in, the yeah. years, in the years that follow yeah. Brian White Memorial Award. <laughs> when do you think the shift happened for you where you felt less like – the lucky kid that got called up at the track mm. and, oh, I'm supposed to be here because I'm 
capable. You know the answer to this. You still don't feel that way. Nah. Yeah. I'm like it's oh, when I'm doing it, like I feel very confident doing it. Like mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm out on the ice, I'm pretty bulletproof. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, in the other twenty three hours, if I was talking to you, my real life friend, mm. I would be well. This will be over soon. Like you know, yeah. I, I'm just I. You know, for how long have I lived in this state of? Oh well, it'll all be done soon. That's you know, it's gonna finish up. But the thing that interests me about that is that you do have. Am I going too deep? Am I meant no, to be swearing? No, I love or anything? it. I love it. I love it. Because uh, you, d- you just said the other guests were really awful. <laughs> I did no, not. You said all of them were shit. So I, I just want to. I- You're very good, Paulie. You're very good. <laughs> <laughs> The thing I noticed about you is that you always ha- – you are a bit of a com- – I don't want to say com- comedy of errors isn't the wrong thing. You are, you, want. No, you are a bit of a – Contradiction? Contradiction. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. That is exactly what you are because you have these moments on the ice where you are super confident. I know you very well. I know you are Well, not- I would say intimately after LA. <laughs> intimately. And we- Houston. <laughs> and Houston. We did open our show when we were live in Houston with a little bit of me in the pretending to be in the shower and you coming to get me. Okay, that's where we're going with it now, are we? All right. Different memory for me. Oh yeah, I bet it is. So, so you know, you you while you are very insecure about some things, completely to everybody's bewilderment, I think, hmm. because you are so talented. But then also you have. This confidence that a lot of people don't, where you don't have management, you organise your yeah. own contracts. Yeah. Like that for those of us in the biz is one of, even if we're confident in every other aspect of our lives, is the one area where we're like, oh, God, I can't do it by myself. But you go in there to bat for yourself. So the thing that really amazes me is that you do have the confidence, you know you're capable, you can go in to bat for yourself, which I find very difficult because I'm constantly underpricing myself and underselling myself. Mm. But at the same time, you have all of these doubts. Well, yeah, it's well, maybe it's that cocktail though that that sort of is the thing that works at the moment. I don't know, but but the contradictions are. I always think there is this massive tension and pressure that we put on ourselves through life about as a kid what we thought life would be like as an adult, yeah, and then saying that your life is a success or failure based off the idea you had when you didn't really know how anything worked, yeah. Completely illogical, but so many people will go, oh, yeah, life's a bit shit because I thought it was going to be something else. This blows my mind all the time. So the bit that always makes me feel insecure or unconfident or whatever is just still that fundamental bit that, oh, there's something special, there's magic in the air in these places. When I meet a program director, he's the one who can give me the ticket to become the next dot, 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 dot because it's so ingrained in my brain that that's how the world works. But then the joy of Sky News now is I'm given a blank check and and this is strangely the thing too, is that you go, oh, wouldn't it be great to have somebody helping you along the way and then conversely, I'm a wild bronco when you tell me what to do. Like, yes. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. the way I've always worked with management or worked with, with, with colleagues or whatever is I prefer to tease it out in a relationship Mm-hmm. what the boundaries are and what the expectations are rather than sort of, so about that break. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Break number two, why did you do it? So then because there's a relationship, I have the confidence to negotiate. Right. So if if I never talked to the boss or I only talked to the boss once a month, I would feel nervous walking in and saying, this is how much I'm worth. But there's still an element of confidence in even that much. Do you think it's because there's an element of performance in that conversation in that there is a game that we play, right? There's a game when you are the boss and yeah. I am the – that I come in and it, there point. is an element of performance there because you're sort of teasing each other back and forth. You know they've got a bit more to give. You know you're worth more than you're probably going to immediately – I don't know. There's yeah, something yeah. there that for me intellectually I feel like that would – that would play into something that that, that works it, it for should you. break through the firewall of uh, of confidence. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. I think it's because I, I have. I mean, I've been lucky. I have been lucky to work for people who I like and who seem to actually like me. Mm. So there have been a couple of contract negotiations that get contentious. But when the fundamental position is we want you to be here, the price and the this and the that. Okay, yes, it'll be tense, but. 
the anxiety would only be the all or nothing play. You know, the me trying to convince somebody to hire me, the me holding on for my job sort of stuff. And moments like when Triple M, when the breakfast show didn't work out and I was sort of feeling like I was sliding out the back door, you know, I was pretty bad the way mm. I was negotiating with things then. But, you know, it was it was meeting little old you and other things that sort of meant I got a second act. So, But since we met then, that was, what, 2008, we started our show in 2009. Jesus. Since then, you know, I've never seen you not desired by somebody in the business, you know, like you've gone, you know, and you haven't had a break so far from when you, when you began. But in that particular instance, I know after coming off that breakfast show, there was that state of flux, but... You know, we you were still going to when I met you. It wasn't like they said, "Oh, well, you found this girl, we'll put you on." You were already going into a show when I met you, and they just sort of wedged me in at the last minute. And they made it much better. Ah, oh. so you know, the thing about you is that you've always—I don't know—you've always had a place to be. Yeah, but I, yeah, that's fair because I had a serious bent to me because I had a news background. Every time I was in FM, there was this, oh, he'll be on Talkback one day. Um, because I sort of was open about, oh, I'd love to do Talkback one day. Mm. And because my expectation is, I'll do Talkback one day. And that's where I fear, I mean, the fear of my career is uh, after doing TUE and it not working ratings-wise, mm. like creatively fine and I was confident with what the show was, but if they want to, they can turn around and say, well, tried, failed, whatever, next. Yeah, I do feel the the path narrowing a little bit in the next little while. And people just think I'm bullshitting when I say I'm happy if I do this job for the next 10 years. But seriously, like, I can do whatever I want on TV but for this an is hour the great, a day. Like, yeah, and this is the great please. dream, you like, know? Like if, like, if they said, hey, come host the Today Show, um, firstly, there's 800 people telling you what to do. You have little it. control of the thing. And then the paper's writing about whether you're up two points or down two points. Whereas in this, it's not that no one cares. It's, they care about it deeply. But... You just you aren't you aren't leading with your chin with such you know ferocity mm. that it's actually for creative people who can put a show together, a competent, capable you know, and and you know you're very much the type of person who produces, prepares, you do a lot of that stuff. Shows that are very very high profile and under a lot of scrutiny are stifling. Yeah, and there are people that are great like that. Yes, but that's not you. But it's not. I couldn't do no. it. It's like I'm a rat in a cage. Like when I was a bad newsreader at 2SM because, you know, I'd be reading something and then my brain, I don't know what it is, my brain wants to improve the sentence, edit the sentence or jumble the sentence as I'm reading it. Or editorialise. Yeah. yeah. Like so, so my brain is mm. just – so I found scripts and I find scripts so constrictive. Yeah. I think one of the – not only are you just built that way, but one of the great blessings and curses of radio, you have to be absolutely capable of only – Ad-libbing. I, I mean, I find that amazing now working more in television than I do in radio. You realise what an asset that is because honestly... And they all look at you sometimes, don't they? Go, yeah. How did you do <laughs> that? Yeah, or you look so calm. And it's like, but having a conversation on this segment for two and a half minutes... This is really easy. Like, this is easy in comparison to talking nonstop for three hours yeah. about stuff and coming up with stuff consistently... For that entire time. And anyone listening in their undies right now, don't confuse either of us as having contempt for the two and a half minute segment. Oh, no, I love it. But but it's just saying like as a – in terms of the muscle memory that it yeah. takes. Like, and, and I think this is – it's a broader point about the business, but it's like I get it why in the era of – and it's always been the case – in the era of profile, this is how you move the needle mm. supposedly. But if you look at the people who are stars and are the stars across many a year um, – They've all kind of got one thing in common, and that's that they came up through radio. Mm -hmm. So radio stars are like that. Um, serious TV stars obviously can come up through TV. There's not a huge amount of examples of radio people who make it to hosts and then the hosts move up and through. Mm. But there's certainly radio people are amazing guests and confident parts of a show. And so for me, the idea of sitting there reading the auto cue um, and then – 
so much faffing. And as you know, I park in the car park, I have a smoke, I walk through the back door and I sit on the telly. That's it. And you don't, you know, a lot of people, I think, especially in your, um, you know, in the opening editorial would think, oh, he's reading this. And you have no script. There is no auto cue. It's just you, you know, off the cuff. It's my only superpower. I'll be honest. My only superpower <laughs> yeah. is, for, is, is the first five minutes of the telly show where you go, okay, lots of information. How do we get it? Out and you there. get it out every single night you in know. a way that looks like it was pre-prepared. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it, it's, I suppose it's that thing where you just, you know, it's like my approach to my approach to telly and content is like my approach to obesity, snacking. <laughs> like yeah. I'm always reading. You, you, you just – You're a grazer. But also I'm naturally inquisitive. Yes. Yeah. And it's, that's, that's the other thing too is that if you're not naturally – like I hate people – when they have these sort of career chats and they sort of pretend that there's this, oh, you know, I worked out a formula and X plus Y equals B minus Q and then I do this and then <laughs> yeah. I I'm a scientist really more than a comedian or more than a you know, singer or whatever. And mm. It's like for me for, for me and my job, it's, a, it's easier to do because I'm naturally hardwired to want to know what's going on. Mm. If I just was functionally good at ad-libbing and traffic copying a conversation, mm. it would really look like it if I didn't know what I was talking totally. about. So I, I don't want to go back and forward too much, but I just want to slip back into a quick chat about the whole AM thing because you did do that for a time and that was obviously the big dream from when you were a kid. What I know it was different to what you expected it to be. Mm. Like how do you feel about that time now because you had built it up to be something so huge and you didn't fail at it by any measure. <laughs> Thank you. you. Well, you didn't. You yeah. really didn't. Like you were really good on air and things chop and change and whatever. But, you know, I know some things that you hold on to so dearly for so long, I think it happens a lot in everybody's life no matter what business it is. When you actually reach the dream, you go, oh, yeah. it looked better when it was a dream. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, look, and, and the two biggest problems with it was – uh, the radio station I grew up listening to was 2UE in Sydney and that was the station of Jones, Laws, Zamanic. So it was the number one. Um, by the time I went to 2UE, it wasn't 2UE anymore. It was like the old 2GB. Mm. So for the dream to have really come true, I would have got the call up to 2GB, not 2UE. Yeah, right. And, you know, at the time, as you remember, there was sort of a chance of doing both and, and because of the magical connection of this radio station that didn't exist anymore mm. i uh i got i i you know chose the wrong one frankly mm. and um you know it's a little bit like you know how sort of you hear comedians of a certain age in america obsess about the idea of johnny carson's tonight show and the battle to host the tonight show is more important than anything in the world because it's johnny's show yeah there's part of you that the part of me that felt like that about talkback radio that you know, if I got the chance to do it, I was walking in the steps of. And then when you think about it, it was sort of illogical about the need to get to it so quickly because, you know, obviously for me to go there, we, I had to end what we were doing. And that obviously something that I deeply regret was a wrong decision. It was a mistake. And also the words that you said to me were 100% true multiple years later, and which was, you know, it'll always be there. Mm. But just... I can't say logic takes over. It's an emotion. It was an emotional decision, and it's the wrong one. And I think it's, but you know, it's not like you're destitute in a corner begging for change now. You no, know, no, like, no, 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 no. But, but no, I no. What I mean is, it's it was our show should have still been on the air. Our show was great, and I loved it. But and and of course, I you know, at that time, I didn't want it to end either. But I did totally understand that that was an absolute dream of yours. And now you come down the road and you go, well, gosh, we're still great mates. We've done podcasts together. We work together regularly on Correct. the telly. You know, it all sort of ends up getting there eventually. Is there any gig over the years? That you and I don't necessarily mean a job. This literally could be. Oh, in the early days, I hosted a you know blue light disco. I have done a live broadcast from a blue light disco at one of my regional stations. Um, you know, <laughs> did you do the car yard? Oh, of course. Yeah. Stock standard. I got to say, you know, God love anyone who asks radio stations to come and broadcast from car yards. What do you expect? Oh. Like what what's supposed to happen? Because we're playing ELO yeah. from a Datsun dealership. Yeah, but more people gonna want Datsuns. Turn up. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Like, I, what, I'd never get the logic. It's a regional concept that still goes on to this day. Weekend broadcasts out at, at you know, where, where in regional radio there really is a, a much deeper marriage between clients and content. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know? It's almost literally a marriage between it the is. salesperson and the... Yeah. yeah, and I've done many a show where the show was me reading tile prices oh. or uh, talking about specials. And, and because you, know, you commit, like you, you, you prep and commit, you have your whole yeah, life. Yeah. How do you? How did you sell the tiles? You really, it's literally, you know, I mean, obviously. These are Italian tiles. <laughs> day to day, you're, no matter what you're talking about, you're looking for an angle, right? Real tough when you're just looking for an angle on stone tiles, <laughs> you know? There's only so many tangents you can go on to come back to the core yeah. issue. If you want a knot on the tiles, <laughs> you've got to have tiles first. <laughs> So come down to Rachel's Tiles this in Erina. This is welcome my world. But, you know, were there any gigs over the years? Like what would you consider was the worst gig you've ever done? Oh, good question. Good question. I'm going to go to hell for saying this. <laughs> I can beep anything you don't want to go out. Well, uh, it was a charity gig. Oh, okay. That's fine. So Some like, of them are bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- this is like people are very nice and they ask you and it's all – Hey, this is the thing that will get attention for our charity, and mm-hmm. makes perfect sense, of right? You can do it, yes. And nine times out of ten, I'll say yes to everything mm-hmm. because the, I don't want the karma. Yeah, yeah. But I don't understand. And can I just say this to everyone organising an event, be it a school ballet concert, mm-hmm. through to a major multi-million-dollar charity? We don't need the thank you presentation bit of the night, where <laughs> the people who organised it are yeah. thanked. <laughs> because I get why you happen and I get that you want to say thank you to people, but it's there's no everyone's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Because as it's like, hey, and don't hey, and what about what Rachel's been doing? <laughs> and until your actual name gets called, you have zero interest. Until you hear two words in that entire thing and get presented with something. And a bit like an award show. It is like an award show. And to be honest, you'd probably it'd probably mean more if they just pulled you aside the next day at work and said, Oh my god, thank mm. you so much for all your effort. Here's a bottle of wine, loved it. But my fav- this is my favourite bit of research, though, is, mm. oh, we're such a big fan, we desperately love you to come and do something, and here's your thank you present, a bottle of wine, even though we know you don't drink. <laughs> the ones who know me are the ones who buy me a cigar. Yeah, that's it, exactly. They're the ones who know me, and that's the ones I go, okay, I'll come back and do you next year. What about, uh, have you done many shows that haven't come to fruition? Have you done a lot of piloty sort of things? Yeah, good, good question. Oh, Good thanks. question. Thanks. Uh, two mm-hmm. uh, that sort of happened. Uh, one, I did a thing at Channel 9 way too long ago mm. where it was sort of a bit daily showish, a bit, you know, they sort of were looking for someone and I was I did a couple of sort of test things there and sort of had to do like a bit of an editorially thing. And I think I would I would very much do it differently today if I had the chance to do it again. Mm-hmm. But that sort of came and went. And then then I was actually a chance of being the host of Family Feud. True. Yeah, not this current version, but remember oh, the Burt Newton say. version? Yeah. So Burt Newton version. So there was a time when Burt Newton was maybe or maybe not going to host the show. So then one of the brass goes, you son, you know, you got a bit of moxie about you. Um, so I was going to, I was an option there of being the Family Feud host for a while. They would have had to screen that a little later. Oh, yeah. The survey <laughs> says... <laughs> That would have been a great gig for you, actually. I'd love to be. This is the strange thing. I know you can't be everything in the yeah. world, but if I could split myself and be something else, I'd love to do a game show. Love to. Do you find that hard? Because I often find, because, you know, I like doing a lot of everything, and I think when you've come from FN Radio and you now do a lot of mostly the political stuff, but mm. you are very much a funny guy. Oh. <laughs> there's all There's all this talk about pick and stick. What? Oh. Who are you? What's your niche? You know, and I've had countless conversations with managers who are like, we don't know who you are or what you are. I'm like, hang on a second. A performer. A perfor- I, like, is this I, that hard? Like, I, like, I, like every year on my tax return, I write one word, broadcaster. <laughs> yeah. You like, do stuff, right? So, like, so my thing is that I hope by the end of my career, 
I will have had the chance to be this guy for a bit and this guy for a bit and this but guy do for you a bit fear, with all a certain level of integrity. But do you fear now, like you're very much down there, you are the politics guy, do you feel like the family feud opportunity has escaped you? you I don't know? think it'll be the next move. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's... But it, and this is the strange thing where, again, people who even... People who should know better, who know me in radio and television, are like, geez, when did you get so tough and... Oh, what's going on? He used to be so likable, and what's this thing? And it's like I would think. Look, I, I, I believe if you're gonna have an opinion show, mm. have the one you'd have at dinner. Like yeah. have the real opinion. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I hate. I mean, I'm like you. I hate fakes. Mm. I hate people who are one way on the air and one way off the air. I just can't stand it. And And always those are the ones that are so wounded by the negative feedback and you go, you know why that is? Because you can't stand up to your opinion because you don't believe it. Absolutely. That's why you're wounded. That's why when people send you tweets that you feel it's because you're acting. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you've been sort of, you know, ripped apart because you can't stand by it. Exactly. And Mm. my thing is, look, I mean, I've sort of like on on, on, – on FM radio, the formula, even though I joked about formulas before, was like real life plus 15%. Mm. So obviously all the stories you're telling are real, but the volume and the intensity, and the, that's, that's, that's the art of the performance. Mm. For me, all the opinions are real. The volume is the showbiz. Yeah, right. And it is amazing, though, that in the business, you, you think that creative people or colleagues would understand that you can modulate and moderate your behaviour depending on what the gig is. Mm. Now, I would never fake it. So, like, I'm not going to ever be, uh, you know, a touchy-feely lefty climate change kind of guy mm. because that's the job that 702 is offering me. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want that job. But, like, I really hate in Australia that because of all of the PC bullshit that we don't have adult spaces on radio where it can be filthy or talkback radio that can be really rough or, you know, like I... Howard Stern would be booed off the air here. Yeah. Like an Australian Howard Stern. We yeah. don't, we're happy to consume the American versions, but I feel like if we're consuming the American version, we can always keep saying we're better than, like we're a bit better than you guys. Absolutely. But when we sort of create it ourselves, everybody's like, oh, we don't do that here, but I'll watch the Kardashians every day. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, so I, I just, I wish we, I wish we had a bit more range mm. and I wish that people would accept us with more range as well. But yeah, it's interesting that sort of, the holes people want to put you in. So when I come up against um, somebody I've worked with or somebody who, who says or somebody who writes, you know, like about telly and will say something about, geez, you've become very da-da-da-da-da, mm. I just unload on them about, well, yeah, there's the, the, the fundamental core is absolutely true, but how do you not understand performance? Absolutely. I still hope I eventually see you as the host of Family Feud. No poo-pooing, <laughs> Grandenia, doing a great job, but just maybe one day in the future. Well, survey says. <laughs> so just I'll w- kiss all the contestants. I, I bet you will. Male and female. There's more going, going, g'day, doll. <laughs> and their hands, all oh, the men's hands. The creepy hands. <laughs> yeah, the creepy hands. Soft touch hand. Uh, I Can wanted I do to. That yeah, no. Come on, soft touch no, hand. No, 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 no. Grease me out. So um, an interview wouldn't be an interview without just a quick perusal of a few things on the Facebook page, on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> I love Wikipedia pages mostly because most of the people I work with, we don't know we have them. Yeah. I, like, and because we didn't write them and we don't know who knows this stuff about us. Some of the things that I that You'd I be took... be surprised partic- how many interviews that you can do with people uh, who know nothing about you but the Wikipedia page. I know. In which you go, what, what? There's a lot of achievements here from <laughs> 10 years ago. Yeah. Well, I love Wikipedia mostly because when I'm interviewing mates and people that I've worked with, I find it just a hotbed of either complete bullshit or stuff that I sort of don't know why it got on there. Like they, there is a, a reference on there to um, The Nightcap on 7HD. Oh, God, yes. Which was a small show that you did for a while where, quote, um, somebody has found out that The Nightcap was debuted the first known public discussion of the childhood accident that left you with only nine toes. <laughs> How many tapes has somebody gone through of your work to find out that that was the debut conversation about your missing toe? Yeah, well, well done whoever's doing that. Somebody has too much time on their hands. The other thing, uh, it talks about your show on Triple M that you did with Millie. Yes. The first thing I want to ask is one of the things you did on the show was the clubbing of baby seals. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's actually what one of the bullet points is. I don't know. It sounds like I, it. I thought, was there a segment? The it other probably, and also, also, I should do this. In not enough interviews do I ever talk about Millhouse. Mm. And uh, yes, oh, hello, darling. Oh, yeah, sorry, toddlers in the room. <laughs> hello, darling. Do you want to yeah, you want to be on the podcast? Say hi, say hi into say the hi. microphone. Hello, Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's your first time on the radio. Oh, okay. That's your trick. You're just going to keep saying hello, Rachel. Now, okay. Do you ever watch Daddy on TV? Is Daddy any good on TV? No. Can you take the spoon out of your mouth? It's not great mic technique, doll. <laughs> Got to teach him young. Right, now say bye-bye, Rachel. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Asha. Love you, Rachel. I love Rachel. Oh, I love you, Asha. Like kisses. Like kisses. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Bye bye now. Bye bye. Say bye bye. Bye bye. You have a good day now. She's doing the stomping sound, but not actually walking away. She's faking it. Good. <laughs> I'm going. Yeah. I'll see ya. Bye, guys. Are you just trying to milk your moment? <laughs> yeah. She's off to watch play school. God love Tao and Rachel. Oh, when I... we told her Rachel's coming over today. Oh, she thought it was the chick from play school. What a disappointment. Oh. Yeah, she did look a bit disappointed when she saw me, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> yes, Millhouse. You know, I, I never give... Millie enough credit and I never mention her enough and I hope that this gets back to her in some way or another. Lisa Millard, uh, Millhouse, was, uh, we were co-hosts for about a year and a bit uh, doing Triple M Nights and she was the first co-host I ever had and everything I've ever brought into a co-host situation about how to work and how to trust and all of that comes from her and, you know, it was... Uh, the foundation of what I brought to us. Mm. So I think a big part of why we worked was because I had the chance to work with Millie and Millie's now in uh, in Geelong and awesome radio talent. I've never met her, but I feel like we've passed like ships in the night you would, many you times. You two would during... go. You two would we go would? very well together. I've been I've like been... you two very similar sort of like let's go. I've had quite a few co-hosts that have worked with her, and I feel like we keep almost passing, but we've never we've oh. never ever met. Did she refer to herself as the ever so lovely Millie? <laughs> yeah. Okay, right, because I was reading the Wikipedia page and I couldn't work out if that was her name or whether she had gone in and written your Wikipedia page. <laughs> well, she might have, I didn't know. And said, well, oh, he did then. the show with the ever so lovely yeah. Millie. And I thought, well, that's a bit too much flourish if you don't want to be found yeah, out. Milky, milk house. No, no, I, I, I think so. I think she sort of did a bit of that gear, but she was just a big, lovely personality that just has exactly the same as yourself. Just a wonderful turn of phrase, mm. a wonderful turn of common use language. Very, oh, I'm not, I hope clever. I hope we do cross paths at one point. Now we are. Don't worry, you're almost off the hook. We are coming towards the end, which I'm kind of I a haven't bit cried sad about. yet. I know, I know, and I want you to. I'm going to well, try well, and, on, I'm just going to poke your eyes for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> cry, yeah. cry. You know what you could do? What? Just show me how much money I've earned over my career and how much I've spent on shit. Oh yes, especially in the pokies. <laughs> then yeah, there it comes. There's the tears. I need something to share on social media. Paul Murray cries in in-depth interviews. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul Murray's family feud. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's great. You're giving me some good ideas for clickbait. Um, so I just wanted to mention, because we started off with the chats about your love of Canberra and we know that you're a nerd for Canberra and all that kind of stuff, and this was a great dream, the politics, the radio, all of that stuff. You are now a trusted advisor to hmm. Tony Abbott. Yes. That's a pretty big deal. And I'll just a, say friend. A friend. But, okay, a friend. You're a friend of Tony Abbott, but, you know, he. you guys chat about stuff yes. and you, there's a lot of people now in Canberra who are, you know, the big wigs of the joint who are completely across old mate P. Muzzy. <laughs> Does it's, that- it's, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I flip out. I flip out and, and the little boy in me smiles with genuine... Like awesomeness, when you are walking down the corridors, uh, I still like. And, and the bizarre thing is, I get little reminders that I haven't quite made it yet. I still don't have a pass to Canberra, right? Mm. Other people at Sky have a pass, in, including people from Sydney, but the club has never issued me with a pass, right? right? Yeah. And and I don't know whether going right back to stuff we said before and about ill feelings and all the rest, but like I hate groupthink. I hate when the cool kids all get together to decide that's in, that's out. And I'm very aggressive about the Canberra Press Gallery Mm. and about the way they behave. So 
you know, they literally won't give me a pass to go there. I'm a, I have a visitor's pass, which means you need to be escorted around by everyone. So mm. you're a real work experience kid slash pariah. Right. And then you walk past a minister who stops a conversation and says, Paul, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, yeah. there's the former prime minister. Come and have a lunch. You know, so there's yeah. this, this Reckon weird... I could get a pass, guys? I'm yeah. just going out to lunch with the XPM. Yeah. But, it's, but yeah. you know what I mean? And, it's, yeah. and, 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 and look, obviously, you know, I've... I've, I've collected people who you agree with over the time and there are some people I, I'm, I'm across the aisle with in Labor. But, you know, I've got to pinch myself in those mm. moments. Like I do have, when I'm in the moment, so when we're in the dinner, when we're in the lunch, when we're on the phone, uh, I've got all the confidence in the world. But then either side of it is just a bit, what the hell was uh, that? Yeah, how did this happen? What do you think, step out of yourself for a moment and be mildly confident, <laughs> what do you think has been the secret to your success so far? I think I am my honest self. I think that it means when I'm naughty on Triple M, it's me genuinely being naughty. And when I get pissed off on Sky, I'm genuinely pissed off. Mm. I think just because my natural outlook is I try to I try to be oh, I'm trying not to use the word likable, but it's the easiest word in terms of this is I, th- I, th- I think I'm likable. I don't think I have resting bitch face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think you've covered it up with hair. Yeah, <laughs> resting bitch chin <laughs> is what I'd have. Yeah, I, so I think it's that. I think it's I think it's that I use common use language. It's that I fire up. It's just an honest an, an honest thing, and I think that I surprise people sometimes that. I do have an ability to – God, it's weird talking yourself up, but anyway. Come on now. I, 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 I do have an ability to make complicated things and distill them and Definitely. explain them in a way that other people don't. So I really like that. I mean, there's there's some, some, some things still to do on the to-do list of the career and, you know, the ideal situation for me is to, is to have a rip-roaring radio show at the same time as the rip-roaring TV show, mm. which is not – saying I don't love TV. I love TV. I love the job. I don't expect to do it. Fat, ugly blokes shouldn't be on TV. So <laughs> that's the other thing too is I think in TV in particular, why it's worked is because I've always felt like I'm playing with the bank's money. Yeah, right. Like like not having a radio job or not having a successful radio job, that cuts way deeper because that's what I always wanted to do mm. and that's what I always – and TV, it was never part of the plan. Yeah. So – yeah, you feel – I don't know. I feel like I should ask you why you think it works. But, <laughs> no. you know, tell me more about me. No, just don't, don't mind the uh, the dog in the background. So it's dogs, just... toddlers, it's got everything this show. Dogs, toddlers, uh, what was before? There was a cockatoo out there. <laughs> yeah, there's a real dog to do little. This is little. called The Suburbs, Rachel. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. All of this happens out here. I'm enjoying it. Um, what do you reckon's the best and the worst thing about the business? The best is that you get to see things that – shouldn't be seen and you get to run with bulls that you can keep up with that stuff's amazing there's a lot of day-to-day don't get me wrong it's not all flower and roses like there are flat roses are flowers but um you know, i wasn't <laughs> testing you yeah. i'm sure the well, saying is something not that yeah, like that we don't but. have swains written on the walls here you can get away with horticultural lack of knowledge <laughs> but there are moments in your nine to five in radio, television or whatever that you think, God, I've done three things this week that might be some people's bucket list lifetime items. Absolutely. The mm. fact that you can – the fact that if, if, if you can come up with an idea, you can do it and somebody else will pay for you to do it. Yeah. The, the worst part of the business is when people can't tell the difference between the person on air and the real life person – and when people, be it colleagues or management, try to play games knowing that your ambition was to be here. So therefore, we'll, we'll play with that. Yeah, we right. know that's the big red button, so we'll just keep playing with mm. that as a way of justifying putting something off or talking rudely to you or whatever. I mean, I stress I have had generally phenomenal experiences and I've got to give shout-outs to... Scott Muller and Guy Dobson and, you know, uh, Jamie Angel and Peter Brennan and, you know, those sorts of John Brennan, these these people who've been amazing to me. But obviously there's some management, Adam Lang as well. Mm. There's been some management along the way that, that, that prey on that and I, I can't stand that. And I also find, you know, one of the tough things about 
the business too is it's it is like professional sport. If it stops, you are not qualified for anything else. Yeah, yeah. So I am genuinely concerned that if this stopped because I said something stupid and someone complained and some tribunal said, that's it, you're gone. Mm. There will be some very well emceed little athletics countries around the <laughs> competitions around the country. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> it's not all over yet. All right, final five. First, biggest regret, either something you said no to or a gig you did that you wish you hadn't. Uh, honestly, the biggest regret was leaving Triple M and shutting down our show. Oh. I, I mean that seriously. I put that in there so you'd say that. <laughs> I haven't asked anyone else that. No, that's a lie. By the way, we have right. talked about this outside of the podcast yeah. scenario. <laughs> yeah. I don't want people to think they've put this chat off for a few years. And I've been happy. waiting for an apology. Yeah, I demand it. Um, I, I <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, your dream gig or something you haven't crossed off the bucket list yet. What's the... Ooh, such a good question. I would love to host something like Real Time with Bill Maher. Oh, 100% best show on television. I'd love to do comedy monologue uh, followed by serious interview, followed by punchy panel, followed by serious editorial. And also have the the kind of audience and and budget that means you can get Salman Rushdie, most deaf and, you know, Obama on the same panel. It would be amazing. Yeah, um, incredible show. Uh, What's a big idea you've had that never got up? Or was there something that you – because you are, you know, very good at the – I mean, we in our well, we time – we got two people to root in a plane. We did, we did. So – We did. The Mile High Club, we hired a private jet to give some – What about couple. the look on that woman's face? Oh, goodness. She wasn't happy. No. Well, I mean, to be frank, you know, it, there's a lot of pressure. You're up there for an hour. But what about the bloke that he jumps up the back, does what he needs to do, and then leaves her at the back of the plane and says, can I watch the landing? <laughs> That's the detail that just might go – I've gone, oh, this is so – Hilarious! This is amazing. Yeah. Thinking that the conventional wisdom would be hold hands, cuddle, land, have a bit smile, of champers. How nice is this? Instead, yeah. dot dot dot. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. We also did the nude streaking championships, <laughs> where we did a fake cricket match to give people the chance to streak. Just a lot of nude gear in our time. I mean, it could be an idea that was too ridiculous to get up. Is there anything? I'm putting you on the spot here. I remember once at, at Triple M, I had an idea for a cash giveaway which was anyone who wants to turn up to insert football oval, turn up at 7.20 because we're going to fire cash cannons into the air and you can fight each other for the money. I loved the idea of everyone doing that. Financial hunger games. Yeah, correct. But just literally imagine just going like (laughs) $10,000. Let me guess. Legals didn't think it was a good idea. (laughs) Didn't get out of the room. Yeah. Uh, What would you be doing now if you weren't doing this? If you Uh, weren't doing showbiz media? Politics. Politics. Uh, do you think that will be? I don't. Yeah, I, I think I'd be a staffer. I'd be a speechwriter, that sort of thing. And I would be so ridiculously involved in trying to get pre-selected somewhere. Yeah, right. I, I, yeah, that's. I wouldn't lie. That's what I'd be doing. I feel it in my in my waters that that might be on the cards for you at some point in the future. I'll, I, I'm happy to be a senator later in life. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be what happens. Uh, and finally, your advice to people wanting to get into the business. Do as much free stuff as possible. Practice as hard as possible. Do podcasts, blogs for free. Don't expect anyone to listen to them. It's just a way of keeping your your muscle memory going. Work out who you like and why you like them. Think about pulling them apart like a car, working out how they work, and then taking you know the spark plug of Kyle and the. I'll continue the metaphor, you know. Uh, <laughs> you, you know the battery. You lost me, of, I don't know anything about cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the battery of this person and the axle of this. So, and, and then you can build your own version of this. Rather than imitating, please. Correct. And then eventually what is a bit clunky and put together and not quite you morphs with the more hours you do and the stuff, but morphs into the personality that you want to take into the room. Mm. And then... You know, I I believe that there'll always be someone funnier than you, smarter than you, hotter than you, younger than you. But passion will does win out, and I promise you, you can meet anyone in the business with the following phrase, I've got an idea. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to wrap it up. I do want to reference the fact that Paul is quite a gesticulator, so if you've heard a lot oh, of this... Oh, sorry. Have I, has it been that? <laughs> the stomping of the foot has become a part of your thing because I know you're doing it a lot on the show. Is this, so is, are you hearing that? There was a lot of... Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Paulie. I love you. Love you too, sweetie. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for listening to You've Got to Start Somewhere. Thanks. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes, and keep up to date, head to you'vegotostartsomewhere.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of You've Got to Start Somewhere. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Paul Murray. If you want to know any more information about the show, about me, if you want to check out the show notes pages for each episode where I reference anything that we spoke about so that you can get up to speed, you can find all of that, including a contact page if you want to send me an email about the show at you've got to start somewhere.com. Big thank you as well if you have left a review in Stitcher or iTunes. Shout out to Melly Maid, Loadman, G Lang, CJT41 uh, for all your delightful comments on iTunes. I really do appreciate it. I know everybody's busy, so sitting down and actually pressing the button to rate the thing five stars and write something uh, is a big thing, and I really do appreciate you taking the time to do that. Next week on the show, I have a dear friend of mine and somebody who is incredibly honest about the realities of the business, Mr. Peter Berner. Uh, He talks about how in the early days of his career, he used to try and get his audiences offside on purpose. In the early days of doing the five minute, the open mic stuff, I would get in the car when I was driving to the Harold Park and I would think, if I can't think of anything to say between now and when I get to the Harold, I won't go on. So I put myself under the pressure of trying to do something different every time I got on stage. And sometimes I would walk on without a thought in the world and just go for it. And some of the best stuff ever comes out of that great stuff, you know, when Bugs Bunny painted himself into a corner and then had to paint a door to get himself out. That was me. Sometimes I would go on stage and deliberately piss the audience off so they would hate me and then win them back. You'll notice that sounds like we recorded the interview in an aviary, but it was one of those blisteringly hot summer days uh, and I had to open the window. So not only do you get the wildlife in my local area, but John, the next door neighbour, starts the leaf blower uh, early through the interview. There's a lot of sounds of the suburbs happening through that chat, but Pete has some great stories to share, so I hope you will join me. Uh, Again, head to you'vegotostartsomewhere.com if you want to leave any feedback about the show. Even the bad stuff, I'm happy to take it. I hope to see you next week and thanks again for listening.